Have you ever felt it? That excitement, that hum that reaches into the very base of your stomach and makes your whole body feel alive? Well, your life can feel like that. Each week, I'll be sharing ways your personal wellness journey can lead you to a life that literally makes you hum. We'll be diving into all things nutrition, mindset, connection, spirituality and relationships to encourage you to be courageous and brave with your life and most importantly, unashamedly you. Together, let's find your hum. Welcome to Find Your Hum. I'm your host, Kirsty, and this is episode 36. Today, we're exploring how you can find your hum in the work that you do through playing to your strengths. Now, I'm actually recording this intro outside today, so hopefully, A, it's not too distorted for you, but you can hear the birds in the background because it is honestly an absolutely beautiful, peaceful sound, and I did want to hopefully share that with you guys today. Now, as many of you would know, I've spent a large portion of the last two years in the UK. My mum was born in England, and that side of my family still resides over there. Spending time exploring, living, and immersing myself in the area where not only did she grow up, but where my grandparents literally spent their whole married lives together gave me a real sense of belonging. There was a really deep connection to that part of the world that I had not experienced before. At the same time that I was connecting back with those of my ancestral roots, I really also began to connect fully into the cycles of nature, the beauty that Mother Nature holds, and the wisdom that we can gain from the land, from the cycles of nature. It kind of almost made me jealous in a way, I suppose you could call it jealous, of the connection that different cultures have had with nature and with the wisdom of these cycles. But being in England, like literally on the lands of my ancestors, I came to realise that we, so white Anglo-Saxons, actually also did have this connection to land at some stage, obviously like hundreds of years ago, but we just kind of lost it along the way. It's also made me gain a deep understanding and a respect for the land that I was born on back here in Australia. For a while now, I have wanted to honour that, but I was also concerned that in doing that, it would be seen as kind of like, I don't know, jumping on the bandwagon. And I was really conscious of appropriating um, the culture of Australia's first peoples. So I've kind of sat with this for some time now. But right now, it actually feels right to begin to pay respect to them. So I'm going to start beginning today at each of the beginnings of my podcast episodes with an acknowledgement to country. So I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Darawa people, the traditional custodians of the Tharamal nation, and I hopefully I have said those or pronounced those correctly. And I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past and present. Before I give you an introduction to Nikki, I also just want to acknowledge the heaviness that many people that listen to this podcast may be feeling. I have a large portion of my listeners in Australia, and the majority of my Australian listeners are in the Melbourne and Sydney areas. Now, we are in lockdown, and I have had a lot of experience with lockdowns, having spent over a year in the UK during the worst part of their pandemic experience. And I can tell you, no matter how many weeks you have or haven't spent in lockdown, it's tough. It's really tough. 
when we are put into a lockdown situation, we have to ex- to a certain extent the life that we had planned taken away. Sure, it might have only been a couple of weeks or maybe even a month, but that life, the what we were going to do, it has been taken away. I mean, it could have meant holidays. We definitely went through that with the school holidays. Might have been different plans for work, seeing loved ones. Even something as simple as catching up with a friend has been changed. And I want to acknowledge that, that kind of stuff, like it sucks. We are thrown into a period of uncertainty. Life changes. And whilst as humans, we are actually very adaptable, we are also quite resistant to change. And we really don't deal with uncertainty very well. So if you are feeling a little heavy, a little blah, know that you are not alone. It is honestly completely normal. Allow yourself a little time to feel those things. I also encourage you to find some time in your day for something that brings you a little grounding and a little joy. For me, that's been a combination of watching the sunrise and daily walks at sunset. Honestly, the magic of the world at those times of the day has been absolutely breathtaking and also allowed me to feel grounded and, yeah, just a little bit lighter as well. But also, if you want to, like, always feel free to reach out and connect with me over the socials. I am more than happy to have a chat with anyone having been through a lot of lockdowns. I fully understand where you guys are coming from. Now on to this week's episode. My guest today, Nikki Smith, is a registered psychologist who focuses on career and performance coaching. She literally helps her clients use and value their own unique strength combination as their superpowers and gives them the knowledge and tools to use them every day. In this episode, we have the most insightful chat into how your strengths can make the work you do light you up. We discuss throwing out the work-life balance term, mini experiments, the impact of your job on your health and how you can change this in literally just an hour each day. Nikki shares some signs of burnout and tips around what you can do if the work you do is impacting your health. Nikki has given so much goodness in this chat. Now, if you want to connect with Nikki, I'm going to put all the links to find her in the show notes. Best place to actually connect with her is her website and she has got some great masterclasses. So definitely explore those. This episode, as you will hear, very much resonated with me. For a long time, I did work that very slowly burnt me out. In fact, as Nikki explains... There are actually some strengths that can make you more prone to this happening. You will hear throughout this episode that Nikki is very practical about what to do if you find yourself in a job that isn't making you hum. Whilst I do love the idea that life should make us feel energized, I am realistic in the fact that, you know what, life can't be like this 100% of the time. Life ebbs and flows. It works in cycles of ups and downs. And Nikki and her approach is very similar to this. So I hope that you find this episode as useful and as uplifting as I did. So Nikki, I normally end with this question, but I'm going to change it up this week and ask you straight up, what are you currently doing in your life to find your hum? I love that question. Uh, So I thought it might be worth pulling out two categories, actually life and work. And so in my leisure time, I'm, I'm doing things like 
catching waves. So I surf and that really puts me into that hum zone. I also vowed to do holidays and breaks differently in 2021 after the impact that the pandemic had on my family and I'm sure lots of families last year around finding your holiday rhythm and even knowing what to do with a holiday if you're in lockdown. So I vowed to do that differently and so I've done a mixture of mini adventures which could be anything from a day trip to a long weekend. So going to another city, going to the mountains, visiting family in another coastal town. And then we just took a longer two-week break. Uh, and that certainly did a lot to reset my hum. Nice. And then in, yeah, so good. And I am a big believer in holidays. I think holidays are important as breathing. And I was really fascinated to notice that I love my business and I'm finding it increasingly harder to leave it. So it really took some discipline to take that holiday. Um, now that I've taken a, a solid one again, I'll just be repeating that because it's, um, I really believe it takes about a week to unwind and a week to restore if you can manage that. Yep. Uh, and then in my work life, I certainly coach people on their strengths. I'm very aware about my strengths and seeing, looking for opportunities in every week to play to them and have them in their sweet spot. And some weeks, you know, um, you know, are stronger than others, but it's a, an evolutionary practice <laughs> and I can share more about what on earth I'm talking about as we go along today when it comes to our strengths. No. Why don't you dive into that now? I think that's a really um, interesting topic in terms of so many people I think find, especially during their, I don't know, I, I shouldn't say most people, I found during my 20s and maybe even late teens, early 20s, when you're coming up and, you know, it's almost frowned upon to say what you're good at like to really like harness those strengths and definitely as I've come into my 30s and into my late 30s I have just loved like learning more about myself and that particularly is those strengths and like totally playing towards them so yeah absolutely dive into that oh well happy to it's one of my favorite topics and so I could talk about it for three days so let's see what we can <laughs> Let's get through some of the fundamentals, which are really important. So I think the first thing to say is that we, we all have a unique strengths combination and we typically undervalue it because true strengths are things that come to us more easily and energise us. And so we, we're just so darn used to them that we may not even be aware that we have them. And if we do, we may not value them as much as we can and, and benefit from. So... Uh, when we look at a, a strengths assessment, the one that I love using, the strengths combination that comes out, only one in 33 million people have your have that strengths combination. And so there are absolutely things that you can do in your way that not many other people can. And so what I help people to do is really to unpack what is that superpower that you have? Are there problems that you are uniquely positioned to solve uh, in a certain way? And then there are opportunities there. I mean, A, if, you're, if you do like your role, can we um, use that strengths understanding to optimise that role further? Because when we play to our strengths for 60 to 80% of our week, we significantly um, 
boost our productivity, our resilience, our happiness and our influence. So it's, it's not this fluffy nice to have, it's a strategic imperative for us really to um, live our optimal work life, to get to know them, but also there are business benefits to whatever organisation you're working for because studies show when teams play to their strengths, the business bottom line improves. If you want, if you're interested in your potential, if you're interested in understanding and optimising your work life, it's a really helpful piece of the puzzle and there are, la- there are layers and layers to it. So it's really, it's so much fun to, to make a start and get yep. to know what they are. Um, I read my strengths profile again just a week ago and I, I felt like I was reading it. Um, I just learned all these new things about myself and I, it's because um, there are just so many layers to it. Yeah, nice. And I think too when we like work on our strengths and play to our strengths, Obviously, we're going to enjoy our jobs better because, though, like you said, those things like just naturally come easier. So why would we, yeah, I don't know. You see so many people, they want to almost struggle and go down the hard road sometimes when, yeah, we could just pick this way, which just seems so much more lovely and easy. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of um, modelling and conditioning in society. I think that work should be hard or, you know, work hard and that's the way it should be. And, you know, it's from from the industrial age really but there's an opportunity for us to let it go just like you said that my favorite phrase which seems to appeal even to high achievers <laughs> and, and hard workers which is strategic ease oh yeah nice mm. I do like that I think one. if it's too easy some high achievers are like oh it's just too easy but no strategic ease because it's not just about finding work more easeful it's about finding it more fulfilling and having more impact usually for people more fulfillment more meaning and so when you wrap all those benefits together it becomes pretty appealing doesn't it like I need to get to know myself better yeah absolutely and I think too almost as you get to know yourself better, then you start to realise actually maybe what I'm doing doesn't light me up anymore. That's where something like this would come in so handy because like you said, you probably don't even realise what your strengths are because they just come so naturally to you. Absolutely. And also we can get quite tied up with what we get thanked for. So we may be known for certain strengths because we get thanked for them all the time or that's, you know, what our job is. But if they don't truly energize us as well as we find some ease in it they're not a true strength so we can get we can fall into a trap of thinking certain things are our strengths but they're not necessarily our true strengths and you know the warning I think the warning signs are around yeah is there something that doesn't feel quite right are you feeling drained overall is quite a simple and effective way to assess how well your role's working for you and your health um, you know, do you get Sunday artists, Monday artists? Are you looking at the clock a lot? Um, are you being micromanaged? You know, are you being treated like an adult or a young teen? <laughs> What's yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like that one because, yeah, if you're getting treated like a young teen, you're, teen, you're probably not, yeah, being too, super fulfilled in your role because you're not engaged, are you? definitely going to be less engaged for sure um you know I think it happens a lot I'm really gobsmacked at how often this happens and I think um I don't think managers are trained properly you know I think there are real real systemic issues there 
Um, but it's certainly, yeah, it, it um, disengages you. And the worst thing is it actually has the potential to erode your confidence and that can have a lasting effect. So it's, it's, um, it's not a great place to be. No, I don't think people really understand how important having some work that really like lights you up. I suppose it doesn't even have to light you up. I've definitely, you know, been around people that don't, don't really mind what work they're doing as long as it allows them, you know, the other parts of their life to be fulfilled. And again, I suppose that's a really good thing. But the people that want to be lit up by their jobs, when they're not, I don't think they realise the impact that has on their overall health and well-being because, you know, if you're struggling, you're, you know, I've got no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> I do. I just, no, I, I just lost that. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, my dog's no, in my I room with point. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, but <laughs> I just like. a sip of tea. Let yeah. Know when you're ready. <laughs> I don't even actually know where I was going. It was, yeah. Well, I think you, you, the first point was clear, which was, like some people are okay just to have something that means they can do the other things that they love. Yeah. But you said for people who want to be lit up at work, they don't necessarily realise how unhappy they are, I think you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no know what the question it was out of it. Like I get where I was going, but I can't remember what the question was that I wanted to ask. I might come back to it. So when the opportunity came up to interview Nikki, I was like super pumped because I think as a career and performance coach, you have a huge role in allowing others to find their hum through the work that they do. So I know you've kind of touched on it a little bit with people obviously like finding their strengths, but can you kind of dive into exactly what you do as a career and performance coach? Absolutely. It's fun to be here, Kirsty. And so, yes, how do I help people? Typically, I'd say 80% of my clients come to me saying, you know, something's not quite right, I'm fed up or I'm frustrated, I suspect there's something else I should be doing, I want to be doing something with more meaning. Often there might be a, a kind of stage in life change where they've got kids and they're wanting to spend more time with them or they've got a parent they needed to care for. So they're wanting also some time freedom quite often in there as well. And I, I believe we live in this era where we can actually not only crave more freedom and meaning at work, but we can make it happen. So I help people mostly in senior corporate roles, although I have a program that helps people from really any profession and level to uncover their dream role and make it happen. And so the role is one that matches um, them holistically. So it matches their strengths, their why, their lifestyle needs. So, so it's a great fit all over. And then I also help them to transition to that role. So there are, you know, typically 80% of jobs aren't advertised. So I really help my clients to stand out and get noticed and hide into the hidden job market. Uh, and also along the way, I'm often there to build up their confidence, keep them accountable, cheerlead them and offer the kind of strategic support that they need. Uh, and then the other type of work I do is to help employees and also business owners to reclaim 10 to 15 hours in their work week. So this is the kind of performance coaching side and that's through strengths coaching. So if we think about the typical workplace, it's open plan, everyone's super connected, um, everyone's getting, um, you know, notifications, whether it's phone, email, messenger, 
And so a lot of people have fallen into work habits that are actually very unproductive. And uh, they still certainly feel very busy, but are in fact not being nearly as productive as they can be. And so I, you know, work from a couple of angles. And one is what we've touched on, which is around getting to know your strengths and actually leveraging them at work so that you um, are playing more in your zone of genius and are being super productive and influential, but also applying some strengths principles and some productivity hacks as well around shaping your day and week, really helping them to optimise the week. And often people who are overworking uh, are typically trading off on health or relationships or both. And so the ripple effect is, is part of my why. I really want to help people protect their health and relationships as well as do the work they were born to do. So often part of the strategy is to identify, you know, what, what do we need to bring back into the week, uh, whether it's that Pilates class, that lunch break, that date night, that ceramics class, um, and to help people live more you know, in a healthful way, healthy way, but creative creativity as well, um, and certainly boost their connections and relationships. So um, it's it's super fun from my side of things because what clients find is when we come up with a plan that actually matches their strengths, it's strategically easeful to implement. It's not this hard work that they're expecting it to be. I love that. It really isn't just about the career or their performance I love that it goes into everything and most people probably when they come to you don't even realize what that ripple effect will be I definitely get it when I have people come to me and they might I don't know be coming to me because they've put on weight or you know their guts are upset and those kind of things and they obviously come to you with that one particular thing in mind but when you've worked with them in a quite holistic way which is exactly what you do it does ripple literally out to the rest of their life and then you can have them coming out of more energy. You know, my, like you said, my relationships are better. This part of my life is better. It's so beautiful to see, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's really lovely. And I think, um, yep, sometimes they think it's just the career question we're answering. Um, often they think of it's affecting one part of their life. But, yes, really the ripple effect is across all aspects. And because if we're overworking, of course we're trading off on one or more things it's inevitable yeah you can't not do you think this is a bit of like a I suppose it's a personal question I mean everyone would have their own take on it do you think there is such a thing as work-life balance (laughs) I love that question (laughs) I've I've deleted that phrase from my vocabulary (laughs) yeah but I've replaced it with something else I I talk about the work-life blend I find the personally and with my clients I find the word balance um, you know, really sets people up for how do you measure that success? You mm-hmm. know, the balance sound, makes it seem like everything has to be in balance and every week will be different. And so I get clients to look at, um, we do look at this strong week and this ideal week and this ideal day and we make steady inroads to it. But, of course, things happen. You know, a child is sick, uh, <laughs> your boss is away. There are always going to be changes in the week. But the great news is if we look at it like a blend, then we actually are more likely to speak compassionately to us and say, well, hey, I needed to work a bit later Thursday, Friday, because my boss was, you know, away unexpectedly. Uh, 
but that that's temporary. Look at how, look at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I stuck to my non-negotiables. You know, I played my strong week. Um, you know, work-life blend is intact. There was something unexpected, um, but I had the energy to deal with it. And I'm going to adjust my Saturday, Sunday um, to help me restore a bit more so I can face the next week with full energy. I absolutely love that. I personally think the work-life balance sets up this expectation and when you don't meet that, then, yeah, it's, it's just a world of hurt and you end up beating yourself up. That then ripples into the other parts of your life because you're like almost down on work because it didn't, your week didn't turn out exactly the way it should, in inverted commas, um, turn out. So I really like that idea of a blend. I'm going, I agree going to use with you. That I one. Think- yeah, I think the phrase leans to perfectionism, doesn't it? Like you're talking yep. about exactly. And so blend feels, yeah, it's much more playful and there's flex, there's flex in it. So you can get a part of the, a part of the week can go awry, but then you look to get the blend back. You look at well, what do I need to adjust rather than looking for this perfection um, outcome, perfectionist outcome. Yeah, it just adds a heap of extra stress to your week where it absolutely doesn't have to be like that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think another thing I teach my clients is, and I'm sure you do too, is about resetting. We have our intentions and we create our habits and we work towards things, but quite often we need to reset. And I think the work-life blend, again, leans really well towards that, which is um, being, so be curious, what worked, what didn't work, what do I need to reset here? Um, It's just a much, much more empowering way to view it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know if you have already answered it kind of in your question I just asked you, but can you give me a bit of an idea of what the process is that you take people through when they come to you? Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, with uncovering your dream role and making it happen and transitioning to it, I've created a seven-step career framework and that's based on my 17 years of helping people in different Um, in different ways really uncover what's ultimately for them. I started off in clinical psychology, moved across to organisational psychology and I was assessing candidates for roles for a bunch of years, moved into um, outplacement redundancy coaching and then started this business really to solve the problem in a creative way and to give people the space to uncover the dream solution, um, which takes time. And typically the outplacement redundancy um, solutions don't quite allow enough time to uncover you know, the ultimately what they'll go on to do. Can you um, so just let me know um, what an outplaced redundancy is? Because I'm actually not sure what that is. No, of course. So um, when people are made redundant from a company, depending on the size of the company, they might engage a career outplacement firm and they are there to provide support and skills training to help people transition out of um, the company into another role. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a positive um, support structure. And, uh, but as you can imagine, the employer is paying for that solution. So it's not necessarily giving people everything they need, but yes. it's definitely giving some things they need. And so I've, you know, if I think about my 17 years of experience, I've distilled kind of um, the best and made a more creative solution. It's called the seven step career framework where we uncover a minimum of 12 ideas on what is for pe- what might be for people in terms of their dream role or dream life. And within that um, 
I have a clever exercise that goes beyond the passion question. It goes beyond the if you won the lottery question to really excavate all the ideas for you. And then what we do is I get my clients to test ideas out with mini experiments. So with mini experiments, you get to be curious and a bit like a scientist in a lab or a baker in a <laughs> in the kitchen and see these ideas as raw ingredients and see what, what can I create from this and what do I want to do more of and less of? So, for example, if we take an idea like a client who would love to be um, speaking from stage and hosting international retreats and she's a nearly single mum who needs a bridge role, which is a role to tie her over from the here and now to her dream solution. And so, and she's uh, got a young son and can't be touring around right now. So uh, we talked about her starting a podcast. Now with these mini experiments, we, we start off with really light touch ones. So it might be 10 minutes and that might be having an interesting conversation with a friend where you, go, where you dive deep and you get into that sweet spot and even explore what are we talking about? <laughs> what, what are the themes here? What lights me up? To use the phrase that you use, which is a beautiful one. And then we also test and filter these ideas through the rest of the modules in the framework. And some of those modules include uncovering your why, which is the engine room to your motivation. We also naturally look at your strengths, as you would imagine. And sometimes we can even design a role from your strengths profile, which is super exciting. Um, and then we look at other ones around your definition of success, your happiness formula, um, and your lifestyle elements and things like that. So we're really looking, um, get, uh, looking holistically, but gaining a lot of evidence as to what's for you and what's not for you. Because what I find is uh, clients uh, can often exactly get their dream role, but our brains are really powerful and our brains can bring up all the negative stories around who am I to do this? Uh, I don't know enough. I'm, surely I need to go study something. Um, so, and off, also even second guess, is this right for me? So by having the seven steps, we gather all this evidence to really calm and the mind and give um, the person a lot of confidence as to this is exactly what's for you and we can make it happen. And the beautiful thing too is we can often combine ideas or even look for a portfolio career, which is really popular um, these days, especially with multi-passionates, people who are, have more than one interest. So it's, um, it's a strategic program, but it's very creative as well. Oh, there's so much in that. Like, I love that multi-passionate idea. I think that is 100% me. I love doing lots of different things. That's probably why I never fully settled in doing like corporate life and have done now my own business because then again, you get a little bit more freedom in exactly what you want to do. And like you said, we're not in that industrial revolution age now. We're definitely in a spot where, you know, we're, wanting to allow creativity so much more into our lives in general. So why not put that into the workplace if you can as well? I think that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. And that's exactly right. Um, I'm a multi-passionate too and I lasted about five years in corporate and, you know, being in the one place, right? Yeah. <laughs> all week, the one desk all week. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it's not a match for all of us. It really isn't. Uh, and it's, I think, I think people are underestimating the future of work and how very quickly there'll be roles um, that we haven't even heard of today, they're coming. 
Um, and I think what's fun too is, you know, the variety that you set, you find in your business, not only do you get the variety, but then actually you potentially need support people. And that brings up a whole new arena of roles that are flexible, well-paid, remote, that kind of thing as well. So, and that's just the tip of the iceberg as to what's, um, what's out there now, what will be out there in the future. I think last year, if anything, it taught us anything, 2020, that roles definitely did pivot and can pivot and we can be so much more flexible. I think if anything good come out of that, I think that was an amazing bonus for work and that work-life blend as well. Like so many corporations, like big corporations, had to pivot and, yeah, find different ways of doing things and that's only going to be better as that moves throughout the rest of society and work life absolutely and I love I love the silver lining of remote working becoming a lot more normal I had so many clients who had failed you know had not successfully negotiated working from home you know even a day or two a week and since since lockdowns it's it's either the norm or they've got a business case to negotiate with yeah um it's a great silver lining yeah and you'd have a nice, again, a blend of it where you can go to the office or you can work at home. Because I know, like for myself in particular, sure, it'd be great to do a couple of days at home and I like to lock myself away. But then there are other times that I know I need to be around people and some energy and stuff to get lit up. So it just has created such a more flexible work environment, I think, as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And your what you desire is is um, quite very popular. Um, most of my clients want to blend uh, of home and office, uh, they, and because they got to try all the other thing too, they got to try full time at home. But it wasn't true working from home, was it during lockdown? Because no. usually there were there were other layers. One there, either it was kids or aging parents or um, or st- other stressors. Uh, a lack of delineation between home and work. So if you have worked from home and you're hearing this, that was not true working from home in lockdown. You might want to try it again um, without the other stressors. But, yes, that blend of having and having the some choice of days in and days at home is is so, so helpful for employees. That would also be really beneficial from your performance side too in terms of being able to more effectively work from home because it definitely can also be a little bit more distracting, which is weird because you think nothing is around you. But, yeah, sometimes that can be just as distracting because you think, oh, I'll just go and do this or you don't have that structure of being at work and, like you said, it does kind of blend in and where does one start and one stop. So, yeah, that using you for something like that would be amazing as well. Uh, it's it's super helpful. Again, we can design your day um, for you to get kind of maximum output, but also potentially reclaim some time to, and then you you know could fit in that extra bike ride or walk or or whatever you do, um, do a music lesson, do a ceramics lesson, whatever it is. Um, and it's interesting because again, we're so quick to beat ourselves up if we feel unfocused at home or if we overwork at home, but the answer will be in your strengths profile. You're wired in a certain way and it's just about us figuring out, do we need to dial something up or dial it down? And, ha- and we can do that with a fair bit of ease. And if you think about um, 
uh, yeah, you know, there are ways to make sure you finish at a certain time. Um, there are ways for you to get a lot of um, of your great important work done in the morning before you get interrupted. There are so many options. Um, but yeah, your strengths profile will give you a lot of information as to why you do what you do and the way that you do it. And then you get that lovely work-life blend. That's it. That's what we're <laughs> after because then you get your, you preserve your health. Yeah. yeah. Which takes me lovely onto the next thing that I wanted to chat with you because I for so long focused on my career or the job that I thought that I wanted to do like since I was at school I always wanted to be the CEO of Cadbury because a I got to be the boss and b I got to eat chocolate that was my rationale so (laughs) lovely but I mean was I got to the point where I'm like oh I probably actually don't want that level of job I always wanted to do something leadership in corporate and I got there um, and I thought I landed what was my dream job and it absolutely impacted my health Um, it was very full-on and I probably wasn't working to my strengths at the time either Uh, absolutely now looking back I could have um, rejigged my work a lot differently but I see that so much in like my clients I actually get a lot of type a clients so they're you know quite busy and full-on and they seem to have a lot of this stress that comes from their jobs and careers and it might be like again totally a personal opinion on yours but I'm sure you would see it a lot why do you think that some people's jobs and careers impact their health like this Yeah, it's a really important question and there's probably, you know, three different areas I could focus on. So we'll see how we go. So the first one I think um, is to talk about, is to talk about our strengths. So some of our strengths mean that we overwork. It's a default setting. We find it so easeful. So if you've got the achiever or responsibility strength, so achiever is high work rate, give me a task list, I'll get it done, Um, need to feel kind of busy and like things are progressing to feel to feel normal um I just had a group call with five high achievers today (laughs) and um they're saying how do I take you know how do I take my foot off the pedal the other um strengths type responsibility is where people take such high psychological ownership of what they say they will do and do it and they actually won't stop till they do it so if we think about that, um, those strengths profiles, then uh, their default setting is just to keep going and they'll probably get thanked for it, yeah, and relied on and the culture around them is likely to reflect that as well. Um, and so what I get them to do is to actually apply those strengths to, because if I often find with people those profiles, you talk about dialing down the work and they know they need to do it. Um, but there's a real block of resistance to it and there's some really entrenched habits there. So we often focus on, well, what if we are um, dialed up achiever responsibility to your health, for example? So you've got, you know, you've got headaches, you're not sleeping too well, um, your partner's starting to get a bit annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. What, um, so I talk about changing one hour, change one hour. So what if we change one hour? 
as early in the day as possible. They've proven with neuroscience that we've got willpower for three to four tasks a day only, which I think is incredibly cruel in terms of our evolution. Yeah. Uh, so what if we put it first thing? And so then you're going to be, you know, having breakfast with your partner or you're going to go for a walk or you're going to, you know, start that health journey in that way or connect with your partner in some way. Do it at the start of the day and then you can default <laughs> to um, your strengths for the rest of the day. And, of course, we'll keep um, – so that's one option. And we always look for a really ease, you know, that strategic ease first up. Get a quick win in um, and then we look at more strategies there. There's another um, profile type where people are really strong in relationship building and they might have the adaptability strength where they're really good at um, going with the flow, being in the moment and changing on a dime. There's another one, empathy, which, uh, you know, sensing the feelings of others. Now, with these two types of strengths, um, and I've got the empathy strength, we tend to put everyone else's needs first. It feels fantastic. We do it so well. <laughs> we do it so well. Uh, and so then the risk there, you can imagine, is, you know, you put everyone else's needs first and then you get to four or five o'clock and you think, I haven't even started my own work yet. So then you feel, yeah, then you need to get some of your own work done and that way it's so easy to overwork. So can you see that actually with the way that we're wired, it's very easy for different reasons to do more work than is good for our health. Yes. Um, and again, with that, that profile, I talk about changing one hour, but with this one hour, it's doing their work first for an hour. So do the critical tasks for one hour, start of the day, educate your team that you're unavailable for that hour uh or lock yourself in a quiet room um, i got a client yesterday she's tried a few different things before we work together to give herself some quiet working time she manages quite a large team and we came up with this title for the calendar that the team can see it's unless emergency do not disturb <laughs> yeah so she used to have work, like i think meeting free time or all sorts of different titles but you know Part of the thing is we need to educate the people around us as to what we're doing and why and really set ourselves up for success. So changing that first hour is a really good first step to dialing back um, this overworking. The other area that I think really influences this and uh, is the conditioning, right, from society, from our parents, from uh, narcissistic bosses, from micromanagers, and it's around stories around work and what success is you know, has a big influence on us. All those stories sit in our subconscious and influence our behaviour. So even if rationally we think um, I only want to work till five and that's and then I need to do other things, you know, if we've got all these conditioned stories in us about what success is and someone says, oh, could you just do this or I just need you to do this, we're going to say I'm a, I'm a hard worker, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I, need to, I need to stay and get this done. And I had, you know, my father worked, overworked his whole life and he certainly made a big difference in other people's lives. Um, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm convinced it's fast-tracked his, you know, dementia for sure. And I certainly got burnt out when I worked in clinical psychology and that was my big wake-up call to figure out what's, what it does achievement mean to me, what is my definition of success and what, how... How do I have kind of meaningful work, make a difference, but protect my health? You know, I had that wake-up call at 27, I think it was. 
So there's an opportunity here for us to really get to know what kind of stories have we inhaled around us and what do we want to take forward? Absolutely. I was even thinking as you were saying that, especially as women, um, and maybe it's like my generation coming through, that we were literally told we could do it all. Um, we were. Like, and like it's so good for women, like being able to move forward and things like that. But we probably the pendulum, and I've said it in a few different podcasts lately, this pendulum seems to need to swing like one way, then the right towards the other. And I think now we're starting to come back to that nice place where absolutely. And do you know what? We can do it all. Absolutely. But does it light us up? Does it make us feel, feel fulfilled? Does it give us energy? Like, no. And that whole nothing comes without hard work. Like that is very sort of 80s, 90s way of thinking, I think. And, yeah, it's definitely changing more now and certainly needs to. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's been a, a bit of a flurry, which is helpful of women who look like they're doing it all, admitting they're just, they're not. Yes. You know, so they're outsourcing a lot more than you would imagine. Um, and they're also, they're having moments in their week too, whether they think, where's my work-life blend? <laughs> what am I yep. doing? Um, so I think, I, and again, of this group call just today, uh, every, uh, most of the women on the call were working full-time and doing 80% of the domestic load because that's, that's that what they grew up in. That's just normal. And then for them to change it, that takes energy and effort as well. Yeah. So it, it, in the end, it just becomes easier to keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> but not easier because in it's easier end, in one way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easier in one way. Um, yeah. So again, and I, you know, it's with any, yeah, with any change, like start with one thing. So we looked at, you know, who else in the household could actually cook a meal um just as a first step yeah are you yeah you know are you going to feel guilty about takeaway once a week or can we let that go and it's not in terms of like you know looking around to other people and judging yourself against them or worrying about if other people will judge you on however you need to make that work-life blend work for you because it has to work for you it's your work-life blend and we had I find that we are definitely getting away from this ideal of what it should be and really moving towards probably not quite quick enough but moving towards what actually works for you your family your situation which I absolutely love yeah there's a brilliant opportunity isn't there and to to really change things and to really figure out what's going to work for you and your tribe and your household um it's it is it's a great opportunity and I think I know my mum is jealous of how much my <laughs> husband does. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, you see that too. Like, again, as like men are coming through, those roles are definitely changing for them as well. It is not just women because that balance needs to be there. I mean, like, my mum, when we were younger, worked part time. Of course, she could do more. But now, most of my friends that have children, they both need to have full-time jobs to be able to afford mortgages and just life at the moment. So that, that does have to become more of a, a blend between the couple, the relationship, um, the family, everything that's going on. 
Yep, there's a yeah higher need to to negotiate and and to to plan out and figure out what what it's going to look like for both people and um, to really yeah and to to build that blend in for both people because you don't want that resentment to creep in do you you really don't right. um, mm. I um actually have downloaded I haven't actually read it yet but I heard it on another podcast there's a book called Fed Up. And it's about that. This is for the women. It's about the like extra emotional load that women can take on as well as everything else in the household. And I did listen to the author of it um, being interviewed and I I actually really can't wait to listen to it because I think it would be quite insightful in terms of how she made that balance more equitable between um, mm. her and her husband so yeah I'm looking forward to that because I think I have quite a few clients that could benefit from my knowledge of that <laughs> and absolutely yeah. and not dissing and... on the guys absolutely not dissing on the guys like it is again how we were brought up if we look at our parents and what they did then obviously we're going to model on that but we do need to change it moving forward yeah look and absolutely and um, some people are already making changes aren't they but some people are definitely ripe for changes and it, interestingly um, my husband and I switched roles about four years ago and it's been fascinating to watch each other fulfill that other role so he's primary carer and primary um, you know worker and I can see the mental load on his face and you know I can see it it's different to the one I have yeah um and I think what's interesting is it's really easy to um, to look through rose-coloured glasses at the other role. And what's helpful is we've both done each roles now, and so we I think we we don't look as much through rose-coloured glasses, and we understand the kind of diff- you know the complexities and the the joy and the difficulty with both roles for sure. And if you have one um, of those been- people-pleasing strengths, like your empathy one, which is Again, like it is a strength, but if it can be a bit of a weakness, if then you don't speak up for what you want in that situation as well, which is quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, empathy is definitely one worth um, identifying. What can you, yeah, we all tend to overplay empathy if we've got it. So it's, yeah, definitely worth looking at what can you do just to, yeah, speak up or have, can you create some quiet space so you can even figure out what on earth yes. you're thinking and wanting <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's time to tap out. Now, you mentioned that you had a little bit of a burnout in your corporate role. What do you think are some of the um, signs that people can look out for that maybe their job or their careers aren't really helping their health? Yeah, absolutely. So um, overall, I think we talked a little, we talked about, you know, is it draining or energising overall, you know, is the first thing to look at. Um, The next thing is, um, I've got a free strengths guide, we'll give you all the details. Have a look, look, what's the alignment between your strengths and your role? And then in terms of, um, you know, is there an opportunity to, to do more to your strengths in that role? Can you educate the people around you? And then in terms of if you're a bit more progressed along the impacting your health journey, what I tend to notice, and I'd love to hear what you do, you find too, Kirsty, is that the body tends to send you signals. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, so that starts with headaches. It starts with your sleep being impacted. Um, energy goes down, mood goes down. But I find with my clients, the you know, I call it the, 
the warning signs are kind of, you know, lighter, intermittent to start with, but then they start building up and they, it might come to, you know, being actually, you know, pain or depression or anxiety. And it's interesting because we can have all those symptoms and we really underestimate the impact of our environment. So I find that clients are often saying, why can't I cope with this? You know, why can't I deal better with work? And whereas I look at, hang on, it's a two-way street. Let's look at your environment. What's, what's, what's the culture like? What's your manager like? What's your team like? What kind of hours are you doing? What's going on? Do you get to demonstrate your strengths? Do you feel fulfilled? All these questions. And usually there's a, if it's impacting your health, there's usually a, like 50% or less alignment between all those things I talked about. Yeah. And so it's, I'm often giving permission to say, this is not a fit for me. <laughs> it is damaging my health. And if I asked my body what to do, my body would say, run out of the building, get out of there. And I, I even have quite analytical people saying, oh, yeah, my body's telling me to, to jump ship to get out. Yeah, I always and say then one the guilt thing follows I, and all the things follow. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I often say to um, clients with symptoms, I'm like, like, you need to listen to your body whisper so it doesn't have to scream. And that's where that, like you literally just said about that intermittent headache come in, like that's a whisper. But then it gets to the point where like they nonstop are having headaches all day, every day. And I'm like, that's your body screaming. And again, yeah, we just get everyone has a headache so it's, it's fine but you know what you actually don't have to have a headache yes they're common but they're not normal like we're not meant to have headaches and it is your body trying to tell you something and yeah just then you've got to find out where that stressor is coming from and it quite possibly could be your job absolutely you know and there's the task elements and then the environmental elements and I think um Please don't underestimate the impact of both being out of alignment or one being out of alignment. When I think about getting burnt out from, it was a clinical psychology role, it was a residential rehab program. And it's funny, actually, before our chat today, I just noted down my strengths and noted down all the roles that I've done and what kind of alignment there was. Now, this role, for people who knew me, they thought it was perfect for me. Um, so it was working um, group work and one-to-one -one work with 16 to 24 year olds who'd had a psychotic episode and were supporting them to get back into work or study through a, a really kind of gentle supportive two-year program and people thought well you're you know kind and empathic and savvy and these things and looked perfect on paper when I look at my strengths um, I was overplaying the empathy just ridiculously because <laughs> I hadn't learned how to dial that back it would be hard and not then to in a situation like perhaps, that though would be quite yeah, hard depending on the hour exactly yeah. yeah yeah true and then really the other strengths were not being fully utilized so something can look perfect on paper but it just it was not a match for me it was really interesting and I found it fascinating um, but essentially it was going to drain me until I could see it or got burnt out and I and by the way I needed my boyfriend and supervisor to say you need to go now I couldn't see it. I was in it. And I, so I can really empathise when you're in it and it's hard, really hard to assess impartially what's going on. Yeah. That's when, yeah, friends or family are telling you something. You maybe need to listen because they're probably doing it for a nice reason. <laughs> Coming from a, nice, a good place. <laughs> and, they've, and they've probably heard you say all sorts of things yes. <laughs> about the role. Yeah. And they've probably seen your mood or energy change as well or your yeah. personality. 
So when we have so a situation, true. yeah, when we have a situation where it is impacting our health, whether or not we see it or other people can see it, there's definitely some time when we can't just like immediately leave whether or not it's, you know, financial reasons that we can't just generally would be financial reasons. We can't just like quit our jobs and go and do something else. What are your suggestions for people in times like this? Yes. So, look, it's, it's um, you're in good company if this is the case. And most of my clients don't exit a role immediately. Um, so I talk about the bridge, a bridge role solution. So we can uncover your dream role. It's likely that it's going to take three to six months, three to six months to transition into it. So you need a role for now. And so what I do is I help clients to assess, is this role sufficient for a bridge role or is it, or is it too damaging to your health and well-being, and do we need to find a different bridge role? So, um, you know, the easy, simplest course of action is to stay in the role, but there are things, yeah, let's talk about the things you can do. So I recommend you make a list of what's inside your control and outside of your control and then focus on the list that's inside your control. Look for opportunities, number two. Look for opportunities to make even small changes because that will give you a sense of empowerment um, so it might be the work from home one day a week if you've got a micromanager who's just who's, who doesn't contact you as much when you're at home <laughs> or if you just need to do some of that quiet, focused work and get more done. Um, can you t- Have you been taking a lunch break? Probably not. Could you take a lunch break? Oh, that's a big uh, can, one. Yeah. Take a lunch break. <laughs> I never used to. I definitely have been guilty for that in the past. But honestly, I can honestly say that um, when I started doing that, it made such a difference just to have that pause in the middle of the day, even if just for 15 minutes was you sit and eat a, it's very much better for your digestion <laughs> as a nutritionist, but just generally for just having that moment of pause to bring that stress and everything else from the day. Yeah. Take your lunch break. Oh, absolutely. And again, if we're looking at peak performance, breaks are part of that. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, I know, and look, there's, I know that feeling. And I, yeah, in my 20s, uh, I was in a place that not, I might have taken a 15 minute um, break and gone for a walk, but that was really to wake myself up. A lot of other people didn't take breaks. Um, but it's, yeah, if you think of peak performance, take a break. That's part of peak performance. And the 15 minutes is perfect if you're not used to taking a lunch break. That's a great next step. Love it. Yeah. Um, debrief with a friend or peer daily. So just, you know, get that five, 10 minutes venting, just get it out. Um, And then, so there's some like small change options that you can consider. And then number three is, can you increase your, I mean, commitment to your health or um, dial down your commitment to your role, even by 10 or 20%. So can you go, can you commit to your health by saying, okay, I'm going to go to yoga two nights a week, which means, and it's at six o'clock, which means I need to leave work at 5.30. It's a really simple but effective way to dial up your health and dial down your commitment to your role by 10 or 20% because when you pay for a class, it's much simpler to walk out of the office. You've got a class to get to. Yeah, Yeah. they're good ones. I really like all of those. Awesome. Um, finally, I think I touched on this a little bit before, which is um, if we think about your why and strengths, are there any opportunities to improve things at work? 
you know, because is there a, like a side project? If you've got a favourite charity that you could bring a, you know, a day into the business or a morning tea, you know, is there something you could skill up on in your current role that would help you in, to get your next role? Is there some way that you could say, actually, there's an opportunity I could be paid to learn here or I'll test out an idea in the business? So I do have a lot of clients doing that. Um, so, for example, client, she's um, a program manager for a medical um, institute and she's really interested in diversity and inclusion and she's started a side project and she got visibility and I've got her onto another project around diversity and inclusion. And so that's really um, in, improved her engagement, even though she doesn't want to be there long term. Um, so those, they're, they're my top four tips around what you can do to make the now better. And also just even viewing your, this role as your bridge role would be number five, really, really powerful going, actually, this is serving a purpose. Um, it needs to be temporary. It's impacting my health, but it's, it's bringing in, you know, it's helping keep a roof over my head. It's holding things over for now. Um, it's giving me some certainty for now. As yeah, well. I actually think that last point is a very, very good way to I suppose, cope with, deal with when you just can't leave straight away because that was definitely my situation. And I was like, you know, thought it was my dream job, then started to get like quite sick and knew that it was impacting on my health. And obviously during that time, I started on my own health journey and was like, actually, I really like this, you know, nutrition thing. It helped me a lot. So rather mm. than leaving a quite well-paid corporate job and just jumping ship because I would had to go and do more study. Like I didn't just, you know, become a nutritionist. You don't just become one. Like there is some study. I had to do with another three-year bachelor degree. So it definitely was some consideration. So I did, again, it's probably something that um, you would suggest if I had come to you. I did like a health and nutrition coach um, qualification first because I thought, well, if I enjoy doing that then I'm probably going to enjoy doing the university degree and there was actually um doing that gave me some credit into the degree so that you could see the progression and from the moment that I decided to do that the work thing just becomes so much more easier because I knew it was a bridging role although I didn't call that in my head at the time but I knew I was working my way out of that and I mean that was probably another two years down the track for me <laughs> Um, by the Which time is I totally, actually, yeah, totally understandable left. and reasonable. But it's yep. interesting, isn't it? When you put a different lens on your current role, it had a different purpose. Yep. It was helping you to explore this other dream role or dream idea, which is very purposeful, isn't it? Yeah, and crazy. Not only did my work-life blend become so much better, I actually started performing better at work, <laughs> which is like when I left, my boss was like, why are you doing this? Like you are nailing it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I think this other thing might be my passion. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just yeah, very interesting that it went from this really hard struggle to what actually was quite easeful in the end. And I was really enjoying it, but I just knew that the nutrition for me was going to be something more that lit me up on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the difference too, isn't it, between a dream role and an okay role. Um, you know, we can, yeah, 
there's a big difference and I've left places too and people have been surprised and but it's like there's it's okay to want more is what I really want everyone listening in to know it's not only okay to, to want more but it's possible to have more as well in terms of what lights you up what um, energizes you what gives you joy um, and the type of meaning that you want at work yeah I love it for those that are listening, that are either starting their working lives, because I do have a couple of like younger listeners, or I've also got people um, at who have children at home who are absolutely navigating this like part of their life where they're sort of leaving school and going into work. Is there any advice that you would give them in being able to sort of almost nail this at the beginning of their career rather than? Like me, yeah, imagine nailing it at the beginning. <laughs> I know, it's so good. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, well, is that even possible? Or do we have to like, you know, because like, sometimes failing is not such a bad thing. It's not even failing. But like, I don't know, if I hadn't gone through all that, would I be the person I am today to go and do all this? So, yeah, I suppose there's the good and bad on both sides of that, isn't it? Nailing it straight away or having the growth in the meantime. Yeah, look, nailing it straight away is probably a bit of an overpromise. Um, if we think about, you know, I tell people to think, even think about roles as mini experiments, you know, and it's another way of getting to know yourself. You don't have to get it right from the start. But what I would say is to um, minimise the heartache and impact on your health is please get to know your strengths. So at NikkiSmithCoach.com, um, there's a free strengths guide there at the moment, but I'm also about to release a strengths masterclass series. Please dive into that because um, people underestimate to what extent they can work to their strengths. We can even design a role around your strengths. That's how, that's the potential with this knowledge. So um, we're going to cover, yeah, look, I got to know my strengths really intimately, probably at 32. And so I, I do wish I'd known them earlier. When I connect the dots with my work history, everything has given me something. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I regret anything, but I think knowledge is power. We know this. So the other thing too is if, you, if you're more of a DIY person, then just start to pay attention. What, what energises you? What lights you up? Start jotting things down. It might be a conversation with someone. It, there might be a problem in the world you want to solve. There might just just start jotting down what what takes your what picks up your attention, and view everything like a mini experiment. Um, so don't be afraid to try something at all. There is no fail. There's only evidence as to what you want to do more of more of or less of. But I do recommend. Um, I do say, like, please talk to someone, come to me or talk to someone before jumping into a big course because we can, we can certainly give you, help you to assess the evidence as to absolutely go for it or not. I just, that's the one thing I think, um, you know, smaller experiments, just go for it. But if you're looking at a two, four or six-year six year course and you're not 100%, <laughs> come and talk to me or someone like me because we can absolutely help you to assess that because that's a big chunk of your life um, right there. And um, if I give you an example, um, a client came, I mean, you know, a client came to me. She's actually, she's a mum. She's a GP. She was working very part-time. And he's someone who's really... Um, progressed in her career right and she she decided she wanted to do medical legal stuff 
And so she was looking at a master's in law, which was going to cost $40,000 and two years of her life and cause a bit of chaos for the family. And um, I you know, one of my superpowers is connecting people to the right people. So I connected her to a woman I know who is a doctor and a lawyer um, and is very clever at identifying creative pathways for both professions. And she was able to say, you can actually get a role that's medico-legal without the further training. Here are some options. And three months later, she was working one of those roles. So I think, um, and then if I think of more of a starting point person, if I think about one of the teams I've coached, you know, for them, we're often looking at nine different ideas and it's really confusing as to which way to go. And once again, by looking at, the engine room of your motivation and looking at your strengths, we can filter those down um, really effectively and simply for you. So then you're potentially choosing between more like two options. And then it's about, I can connect, I generally connect them to people doing those roles to you know get, get the inside scoop on what the training's like, what the job's like um, before committing further to that pathway. That's great, especially as, yeah, especially as <laughs> teens too, like um, connecting them and understanding. Like I've just had a niece who finished high school um, a couple of years ago now and she kind of wanted to do maybe some teaching and like little kids but wasn't really sure, like got into uni but was like I'm going to defer for the year and just give myself some space, which I think is amazing that she'd done that and I can see so many more younger people doing that I actually had employed um people I also um before I went corporate used to own Wendy's ice cream store so I employed a lot of um juniors and it was really interesting to see like the change from when I was at school to them and now my niece in terms of the pressure put on you to like decide straight away or not have that gap year and give yourself the space and I just think that is such a great idea because in that year, take it off, do your mini experiments. I love that concept too of doing mini experiments. And so rather than doing teaching, she's gone into doing childcare for a year and a year out of your life when you're 19 is perfectly fine. Like it's, you know, you should be able to see, does she want to go and keep doing more childcare? Yes. No. And absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Know that now. I think, oh, look, I think the gap year is helpful at any point. You know, I think if you can do it, financially do it. It's, you know, the, the insights that come to people when they have a lighter load on is profound. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it gives yeah. you space, don't you? You actually mm. have space to think about it. <laughs> Contemplate life. <laughs> and you have space to, to test things out out of more of joy and interest rather than where will this lead? What am I doing? I need to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah, need career coaching like this at high school rather than the really random quizzes we got given. Although I always say that it was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I used to come back with being either something like a nurse or a teacher and I was just like, oh, my God, that is definitely not, not what I want to do. And I'm like, interesting. I now, it's not nursing, but I now help people with their health. And one of my favourite things to do in this is actually like teach and empower people to learn about their bodies. And I'm like, oh, I ended up doing it anyway, just in a totally different way. But you don't get those kind of options. There was never, oh, a nutritionist on something, you know, back 20 years ago. So, yeah, you need someone like yourself that, yeah, can think a little bit more outside the box than just your very traditional careers because we don't just do traditional careers anymore. We have so many more, like you said, all these other roles that you can even create yourself. Absolutely. 
Uh, one, yeah, the podcasting story that I think I touched on yeah. a bit earlier. So she was not a subject matter expert, but she interviewed subject matter experts. 18 months later, she's now seen as a subject matter expert. She's had two job offers and a panel offer, all from a mini experiment. Yeah. So there are, you know, if we think about creative pathways, oh, my goodness. There is, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. World is, the world is our oyster. Oyster, we just often need a guide or a Sherpa because it's just hard to see um, what's possible for us when we're in our own stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing to me. Like I, with my own health and nutrition and stuff, sometimes I go to people that I was at uni with and be like, oh, like I know what I need to do, but I can't do it because I'm in it. And it's the same thing with your career. Like there's experts out there to help you. So go and engage one of them, engage you. I think it'd be just amazing for people to do. Oh, thanks, Kirsty. <laughs> but you didn't get more, like even if you weren't like when we're talking about like not liking your job or your career but Mm. you know just to even up level it in terms of getting more spark and enjoyment out of it if you're playing to your strengths I just yeah it would always be like a tune-up for your job or career even if you like weren't unhappy just to make sure that you're getting the most out of it oh absolutely um to up you know gosh optimizing things why wouldn't we yeah love it Now, before I dive into my final question, can you let the listeners know where they can find you, how they can work with you and anything you've got coming up? I know you did mention those masterclasses. Yeah, absolutely. So um, everything's on the website. So www.nikkismithcoach.com and it's N-I-K-K-I-S-M-I-T-H-C-O-A-C-H.com. So there you can book in for a free chat. There's a monthly masterclass that's also free where we really do uncover your dream ideas, at least three in the time we've got available on that masterclass, and that's live. We also, I really go into the the framework and nuances around mini experiments. Um, So lots of goodness in there. And then the Strengths Masterclass Bundle, that should be out pretty darn soon, Um, and that's um, really affordable. And that's how to get to know your strengths, how to articulate the value you offer an organisation, how to design your dream role, whether that's within your organisation or, you know, externally, and also how to tap into the 80% of jobs that aren't advertised. Because I tell you that the, um, there's, oh, there's not much good stuff online. <laughs> <laughs> if you are getting depressed looking at, at job search websites, you're in good company, don't worry. Um, there's a lot of um, jobs that are not advertised. Yeah. Well, love it. And I'm going to put the links to your website um, in the show notes. So if anyone wants to get hold of Nikki, head there and the link will be there ready to go. Beautiful. Thank you. So the final question, how do you sustain, strengthen and nurture your life? It's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a succinct response. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know in terms of um, my mental well-being, I need to connect with, with humans and nature. Um, there's a great book called Lost Connections, um, which is all about that if you want to read into that. Oh, I loved that book. Mm. So good. Yeah, so I used to surf a lot by myself, but now I surf with other people. Uh, and then um, make, look, living a purposeful life, so making a difference in my coaching clients' worlds is really um, really sustains me and then I'm an empathic person so I, I I've just up leveled my self-care every year 
Um, so I, I, most weeks I work a four-day work week, join the revolution. Um, I'm a big believer in meditating and napping, power naps, <laughs> um, reading books, massage once a month, yoga, mini adventures. And I think the other thing is I do lean on others. So I do have peers and a few circles of women um, who I might chat to or have catch-ups with. And it took me a long, long time to find them all, but I do lean on them. Um, and I love learning and more from others or peers or podcasts or books, um, less so through kind of the academic way. I found training to be a psychologist the academic way really challenging. Um, and then catching waves. So um, I one of my favourite topics is surfing. So that's a big part of what makes me the best human I can be. I don't personally surf myself, but people that I know do just really talk about that being totally in the flow when you're out there on a wave, which I think must be absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Again, you've got the elements, you're in the moment, you've often, you know, you've got the sky and I, you know, and if it works for you, some other people around you. And the, there's um, lots of local women who surf and I call it the force field, like the positive force field when we're out there with six or more of us, the men kind of chill out and uh, <laughs> it's a bit, all give us space and we call each other onto waves and have an incredible time oh that sounds beautiful just the whole like having your little tribe there as well just oh even that makes me feel lit up and I'm not even doing it <laughs> that's it that's it yeah lovely thank you so much for your time today Nikki I have absolutely loved this conversation thank you oh uh, thank you Kirsty it's been such a pleasure to be here Cheers for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Hum. Don't forget to subscribe. Oh, and tell your mates about it. <laughs>